Jerry Stevens, one of the pastors here at Soul City Church, and I also am really looking forward to my small group kicking back in in a couple of weeks. I'm not only the president, I'm also a client, because uh, I'm in a small group that I love and a group of guys that have become very important to me. Um, and so, uh, as Kurt mentioned, we're uh, really looking forward to what that's going to mean for your growth and your relationship with Jesus uh, as you continue to grow and, and figure out more of who he is and who he's created you to be. I'm also looking forward to continuing our series on the book of James. This month we're focusing on one book of the Bible, uh, just the book of James, a book that is very, uh, has a uh, very active and practical faith. We're looking at a faith that works. What does this really look like in the real world? And uh, so we're getting to know James a little bit more and to know God's heart a little bit more through this book. And so today we're actually going to be looking at James chapter 3. And so if you have a Bible, would you open to James chapter 3? You can kind of keep your finger in there. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we have Bibles for you. Uh, There should be right in front of you the blue Bibles. They look just like this. Would you grab one? I'd love for us to all be looking at the same stuff together. It's on page 848 in these blue Bibles, page 848. We're going to get to it in a little bit. We're going to look at a couple other passages before we get there, but we're specifically looking at James chapter 3 this week. It's been fun to read uh, this book together as a church throughout the week. And uh, this morning we're looking at a a challenge that James gives us in regards to our words and our tongues and our mouths and where it is that our words come from and what it is that our words are actually saying. We're looking at a passage that maybe if you've been around church, maybe you've heard before or at least the concept isn't going to sound that complicated, I should say less bad things and say more good things, can't we just pray and move on? Like, it seems maybe simple on the surface, but this is actually something, as we'll see as we dive in to God's Word together, has powerful transforming truth for every one of us. Lest you think that you maybe are the only one that needs to hear this, or that maybe you kind of don't need to hear this, we'll just do a little quiz about how we've used our words recently. I want to run through a couple things, and if in the last couple weeks this is true of you, you just kind of make a mental check mark. Please don't raise your hand, because that would indict you. And so what we'll do is just kind of walk through, and if you have kind of come across this or done one of these things, then maybe just maybe, like there's a reason God has you here this morning, and he has transforming truth for your life. So in the last couple weeks recently, if you have ever, while in the car, completely lost your cool, and screamed and yelled at another driver from the safety and comfort of your own car. This message might be for you. This might just be, now I know you're all more spiritual than that, but maybe you have a a wife or a husband who does that, so this is for them. If recently you have found yourself talking about someone else when they're not there, using words to assume that you know their motives and intentions, without them being present to represent them personally. I think about specifically, we're in a political season right now. Chicago's always in a political season. But we're in an election cycle right now. And there are lots of presumptions and assumptions made about people's character that you will never meet personally. And so if you said something about someone, whether they be a friend and they're not there or someone that you'll never meet, then this, honestly, I think God might have something for you and for me, for us, this weekend. If you've recently found yourself singing along or rapping along to a song whose lyrics we probably wouldn't sing in church, and you realize when you stop and think about what you're really saying or singing, it's a little embarrassing. And what's even more embarrassing is how well you know the lyrics. I put myself in that camp. 
then this is something for us to pay attention to. God has a word to us about our words, our mouths. If you've said something online recently on Twitter or Facebook that you wish you could delete from the World Wide Web forever until Jesus returns, I know, again, that's none of you. Maybe that one's just for me. Then this is something for us this weekend. If you've recently been in a fight with a friend or someone you love or a family member, and you've said words that you now, when you stop and pause and reflect, that you regret, words that were meant to get the upper hand, words that were meant to demean or shame them, if you've used your words in any way to hurt someone else, then what God has to share for us this morning is for every single one of us. And it's incredibly important. See, what we may or may not realize is that our words are a very powerful weapon. And the question for us to explore is which way is that weapon pointing? What can that actually do? Because they have great power and potential to cause great harm and hurt. And they also have great power and potential to speak life into others and into this world. Our words have tremendous, tremendous power. I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about the words and the power that they have that have shaped our human history. With words, wars have been waged, with words alone. With words, peace has been brokered and broken. With words, someone can inspire and move a group of people. And with words, a leader can be found out and undone. With words, you can begin an adventure of a lifetime by simply saying two small words, I do. And you can see that journey end abruptly with two small words, I don't. With words, you can speak life and vision and purpose and love into a child. And with words, that child's dream can be broken. And maybe you've experienced that yourself. Words have tremendous power. And we've seen all too clearly this last week in our world the power of words. Words spoken that have caused riots thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away. Words, things said that have escalated now to the point of not only harm, destruction, but death. And it all comes back to some words spoken. These words have incredible power. We've seen it in our own city this last week. As our city has been at a standstill, trying to figure out how we can honor rightly honor our teachers who sacrifice so much for our students and continue to give our students a great experience and a great education to help leverage a future for them. And there have been many words spoken, and we are not going to get into that this morning. And there have been many protests, and many protest signs made this week with just a few words that try and capture a sentiment or a feeling or all kinds of things behind them. And I wanted to show you just one for the sake of the argument. Again, not taking sides here, I just want to show you how powerful words can be. Do we have it? <laughs> now, again, I am not going to take sides in the great Rahm Emanuel Nickelback debate. But I will say, those are 
Those are pretty funny words. Those are pretty funny words. <laughs> but a very serious issue, as we've seen, words. And again, today, our hope is that with words, we'll come to a conclusion and a better future. With words, things are assumed about our leaders. With words, things are assumed about our teachers. With words, you see how powerful these words can be when, they, when we just stop and think about the power and potential that our, our words have. Our words are always, always saying something. Now, I know that may seem obvious, but there's something being said beneath the surface of the meaning that we intend. Stay with me. Our words are always, always saying something about us. And so the question that James really focuses us on and forces us to face is what do my words, the words I say, say about me? I want you to think about the words that you've used this last week as you kind of rewind the tape back. What do the words that you've said say about you? What do they really say about you? And then for those of us who would call ourselves Christians, who are committed to following God the best that we can, let's take that question a little bit further. What do the words that you say at work, at home, with your friends, when you're out, what do the words you say say about God? If we were just to to kind of take those words out of context and put them down on a piece of paper and say, this is what someone said, what would those words that we say so often without even thinking about it, what do they really say about God? Now, again, you don't have to be talking about God to say something about him, true? And so the words that we say, the tone with which we say them, they come from somewhere. And they're always, always, always saying something about us and about God. You see, no one loves words more than God. No one loves words more than God. It's interesting, if you go back and look the way our story began, our story began with words. If you were to flip all the way to the left to Genesis chapter 1, you don't have to do that now, but if you were, and look at the very beginning of the creation story, it's with words that our story begins. In fact, this is what it says in Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And what does it say? And what? God said. And God said. And then it goes on to say over the course of that chapter, God spoke light into darkness. God spoke our planet into existence, our universe into existence. God spoke waters and divided the land. God spoke life to fill that land. And God spoke us, literally spoke us into existence. God loves words. And in speaking us into existence, he spoke us to resemble a glimpse of him in this world. We are like a living echo of God in this world. God loves words. Our world began with with words. God spoke us into existence. Fast forward through the whole Old Testament. You'll get to the New Testament, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chooses a very interesting way to describe. He sums up the whole story of God coming to earth in the form of Jesus. That whole amazing miracle that we celebrate at Christmas, every Christmas, John sums it up with a really powerful word image. This is from John 1. He's borrowing all the way back from Genesis 1, and he says these words about Jesus. He says, in the beginning was the what? Word. Now, 11 o'clock service. Come on now. You've had some time to sleep in. You got dressed. You look sharp. I expect a little bit more out of you, okay? Let's say that again. In the beginning was the? 
Word. There we go. In the beginning was a word. This is the word John uses to describe Jesus. He calls him the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see what's happening here? He's saying, look, Jesus, the Trinity, fully formed there, all there at creation. Jesus was there speaking that word, speaking us into existence. And John even refers to Jesus himself as the word. In fact, he says the word that spoke our being into existence became flesh. The one who gave us flesh became flesh. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. God loves words. He loves words. In fact, oftentimes what we're holding in our hand and what we're reading from is referred to as the what? Word of God. The word. The word of God. You see what we're talking about here. Great power and great potential in words. And it's in this word that the word of God gives us a word about the unbreakable link between our hearts and the words that we speak. This word of God that became flesh and made his dwelling among us, Jesus himself had to say these words about our words and where they come from and what they're really saying. It's found in math, or sorry, Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Luke 6, 45. You don't have to turn there. We'll put it on the screen. Jesus says these words, good people bring good things out of the good stored up in their heart. And evil people bring evil things out of the evil stored up in their heart. Now listen to this and pay attention. For out of the overflow of the heart, the what? Mouth speaks. Very important. Luke 6, 45, Jesus says, look, when someone is in relationship with God and pursuing God the best they can, not perfect, but being transformed by God's work and love in their life, that comes out. At least it should. And Jesus is saying, because here's the link. Our words come from somewhere. They are always coming from our heart. They are literally the overflow of our heart. They come out of what is in us. It's as though our words are the echo of our heart. Your words are the echo of your heart. What you say and how you say it reveals what is inside. If you heard last week, we looked at how our actions always reveal our beliefs. We may say that we believe one thing, but what we do really shows what we believe. It's the same with our words. Our words reveal what's really in our heart, how we talk to people, how we talk about people, how we talk to ourselves crazily in the car. All of that reveals what is actually already in our heart. Jesus, the word made flesh, said that our words are the overflow of our heart. And you have to wonder if James, the brother of Jesus, had either heard Jesus say this or had heard of this teaching of Jesus when he sat down to write this letter to the first church, to our church even now here today. If that wasn't bouncing around in his head, how our words are the overflow of our heart, that they always come from somewhere and they're always saying something. And so James, in James 3, finally we get to the text, says this in James 3, 3. He uses a couple metaphors, and he uses small things that have great power. Small things that have great power. So let's read from James 3, verse 3. You've been patiently holding your Bible in your lap. We can finally open it up and read it together. We'll also put it up on the screen so you can see it there as well. Now, he's using small things to talk about things that have great power. He says, look, when we put bits into the horse of, in mouths 
of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. I just want to hit pause here because I'm fairly sure most of us weren't working with bits this morning. Uh, but just by show of hands, how many of you have ever ridden a horse before? Okay, that's right, we live in a city. How many of you have ever seen a movie with a horse in it before? Okay, good, good. You're familiar with the concept, right? It's a small little metal piece that you put in the mouth of a horse, and from that you can literally steer the whole horse. If you've ever ridden a horse, you know it's a very powerful thing. You can make him sort of slow down, you can make him turn, all from one little tiny piece you can control the whole beast. But James goes on and say, no, there's, there's more. Take ships for an example. You're not into horses? How about ships? Although they're so strong and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small what? Rudder. And you know the concept. Great big ship, tiny little rudder. And yet that rudder determines the direction of that ship. So it is with our tongues and our words and our mouths. Great power from a very small thing. So that's wherever the pilot wants to go. He can steer it with that small little piece. He goes on to say this. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. It talks a lot. Makes great boasts. Consider, he says, you're not into horses, you're on the ships, maybe you're into fire. Consider how a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue, he says, and I love this, as we're getting to know James more, he does not pull any punches. He doesn't waste time being poetic. <laughs> he just says it. And so this is what he says, look, In the same way, a tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. He's not messing around. He really wants us to understand the power and potential that our mouths, our tongues, our words have. Because we've all felt it, haven't we? Someone whose words have been set on fire by the fire of hell and have spoken hate into us, hurt into us, shame into us, rejection into us. You've felt that. You've seen it. Maybe you've even done it. You know how true that is, how true that can be. James said, this is nothing to be trifled with. This is a very powerful thing, our words. He goes on to say all kinds of Animals and and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. He goes on to say this. With the tongue, now this is really interesting. You might want to underline this again. If it's not even your Bible you hold, we say this every week. If you don't own a Bible, please take home the Bible that you have in your hand now. If you're serious about wanting to know who God is, One of the best ways for you to understand that is to take this Bible home. So we encourage you to always write in these Bibles because it may give a head start to the next person who steals that Bible from church. So I want you to underline these words. James says this, with the tongue. Now, isn't this so true of us? If we're really honest and hit pause, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, which we just did a few minutes ago in musical worship. We praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. How is that? that we can go from a Sunday singing to a Monday cursing? How is it that we can say to God, oh, you have my all, you have my heart, you even have my hands up in the air, I've never done that before. Like, I am going to sing and say these words to you, God, and then right after church, we're right back to sarcasm or cynicism 
or hurt-filled or even hate-filled words. James says, look, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. There should not be any inconsistency or incongruity between what is in my heart and what comes out of my mouth. Our words always come from somewhere, and they're always saying something about us or about God. And what James is challenging us and causing us and calling us to pay attention to is that you have that same power within you to let your words either, your words can either be an active weapon or an act of worship. Let me say that again. Your words, every single one of us, no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey, every one of us, your words have the power to be an active weapon that can cause great harm and great destruction in someone's life, or they can be an act of worship that can literally speak God's light and God's life and God's love into the world. Every day, every single one of us has that power and potential right here in our mouths through the words that we speak. What kind of words will you say? And what will those words say about you and about God? See, the stakes have gotten (laughs) even higher in the world we live in. Our words have even more power and potential in the world that we live in now. 10, 15 years ago, if I were to say something hurtful or harmful or just dumb, um, which I've been known to do, it would only affect those who were in the immediate circle that heard it. We were at lunch, we were t- and I just said something, and you were like, wow, what? Why would you say that? Well, I could quickly look around the table and go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and we could move on. That was 10, 15 years ago. We live in a very different world now. We live in a world where everyone has a microphone. We live in a world with Twitter and Facebook and blogs and ways of saying things that go out a lot further, a lot faster, and stay a lot longer. Used to be if I said something hurtful or harmful to you, you could say back to me, hey man, that wasn't cool, I wish you wouldn't have said that, I could apologize to you, ask for forgiveness, but now hundreds and hundreds of people have been lit on fire by the words of my mouth. See, we live in public now, and the stakes are very high. And the call for you and I, especially those of us who would call ourselves Christians, is very high. And there's great potential, but there's also great concern and great warning in choosing wisely and choosing well what you speak. And allowing the overflow of your heart to be transformed by God so that it actually comes out as a gift of life and the word of God into the world and not just a bit of sarcasm or a joke that tears someone else down. See, I saw uh, a couple years ago how powerful words can be in something that was, I, I never would have put the two together. I was at the funeral for a coworker, and I, I didn't know him all that well, but, but I'd known him well enough, and he was kind of a quiet guy, and I did know that he'd kind of had a rough patch for a couple years, uh, but God had really transformed, I mean radically transformed his life. And in fact, uh, a lot of healing, a lot of growth, and then very tragically, uh, he was hit and killed by a drunk driver. 
and his life was over. And he left a wife and a five-year-old daughter behind. And at his funeral, they read from, and I, I, this is such a powerful moment for me, they read from his Twitter timeline. And at first that may seem like, why, why would they do that in a funeral? But I got a window into who he is and who his God is through even those little bits of words. I saw where his words were coming from and what they were really saying about him and God. Lots of what they read were just scripture verses that he would tweet out early in the morning to whoever was listening or whoever was following. Just reminders of God's truth and God's goodness. Then there were those where he would say things quite profound, like I'm finding God in the darkest and deepest places to be more loving than I ever imagined. See, what those are, those are, that's saying something about him. That's saying something about God in that moment. There were pictures that he took from daddy-daughter dates at Starbucks. And those would come up. There's a story behind those just a few words. He would talk about his wife and dates that they had and their date night and would say things about his small group, how grateful he is for his small group who has stood by him all these years and has walked with him through the difficult years. And as I sat there, I thought, God, it is so true. Our words, even in death, have power to bring life. And what is sobering for you and I to consider is if they were to play back the tapes of what we've said, even just this last week or this last year, what would they say? What would they say about you? What you really believe? The truth that you really cling to? What would they say about, about God? If we were to play back all the tweets or all the text messages, if we were to play back all the phone calls, if we were to play back all the conversations you've had with coworkers, all the conversations you've had with friends, conversations you've had with your spouse, the conversations you've had with family members, if we were to play all those back and let those words speak, what would they say? And maybe the better question for us to consider is, what do you want them to say? What do you want them to echo? Do you want them just to be more words piled on top of more words that really don't point to anything other than yourself? Or do you want the words that you speak to literally come from somewhere, a heart that is overflowing with God's love, and to say something about you and to say something about God? What do you want to be true of that heart and those words? So what I would love to do is to give a couple thoughts and suggestions. We love homework around here at Soul City Church. And so if you're new and you're a guest, that may seem a little weird to you, but we're, we're serious about taking our transformation, our growth, uh, seriously. We want to be responsible with it. We want this moment to actually lead to movement in our lives. We don't just want to check the box on Sunday. We want to actually grow, right? So I want to give a couple suggestions for how you can, this week, begin to actually practice what James is talking about here. Practice what Jesus taught us from Luke 6 practice a God, what a God who has literally always only spoken words of life into this world, you and I can actually practice that. And here's the crazy thing. Here's what's amazing about God and about the power of words in our life, is that while it's true that words are the overflow of our heart, there is a way for us to practice speaking the words of God, words of life, words of truth into our world, that as we say that, 
it actually begins to soften our heart and change our heart so much so, in fact, that those words come quicker and easier and go deeper into people's lives. But lots of times it starts with us saying, you know, if that doesn't come naturally, then I'm going to practice saying these things to those around me. So here's a couple things. You might want to jot these down. What would it look like for you this week to intentionally encourage someone with like thoughtful, thought-through words at work? I want you to think about where you work. Think about those you work with. What would it look like for you to to, to just pick one person to intentionally, thoughtfully speak words of life and encouragement to? Seriously. This isn't like a pastor example. I'm really serious. Like really think of your work. Really think of a real person. And in fact, because I've said this week, you're thinking, sure, I'll get to it on Friday. Tomorrow. (laughs) For real. Tomorrow. Who's one person in your office or your work, if you work at Starbucks, and who's the barista that works at that Starbucks that you can speak a word of encouragement to? And here's what it looks like. It looks like something as simple as this. Hey, I'm really grateful for you. Thanks for the way that you worked so hard in that presentation. I really appreciate that. Hey, thanks for showing up every day with a great attitude. That means a lot to me. Hey, thank you for the way that you honestly approach your work with integrity. That means a lot to me. You call out that thing in them. Speak a word of truth that God has given you the power and potential to speak and see what happens. And if you want bonus points on your homework this week, think of the hardest person in the office to say it to. I'm serious. Write their name down right now. And you're going, not, nope, not him, not her, not going to do it. Because maybe they've only had hard or hurtful words to you. What a great step for you. And what a great gift to them to say, no, I will choose words of life. I will choose to use the power and potential that God has given me to speak words of life. And in so doing, say something about God in that moment. Again, you don't even have to say anything about God to say something about God. Does that make sense? So maybe that's what it is for you this week. Uh, sorry, tomorrow. Maybe, and this is, again, this is easy, something all of us can do. There's someone you're thinking about right now that you can send an encouraging text to. This is a, something I love to receive. Uh, so you can send them to me. Oh, but it's something I love to do, actually. Just real quick. And no one's better at this than my wife, Jeannie. She just will think of someone, if God puts them on a heart, real quick, just want to let you know, I'm praying about you. I love you. I'm grateful for you. Thank you for dot, 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 whatever it is. Quick text, quick email. You have no idea how far those go. And if you've ever received one, you know what that means. Those intentional words. Again, you can do it right now while I'm talking. This is one of those moments where it's okay to have your phone out in church. And you can actually do that right now. Seriously, it may be one of the most important things you do today is to send off to a couple people, hey, I'm really thankful for you. And you just speak a couple words of life into them right now. Don't wait. Don't wait till Monday. You can do that right now. Maybe for you, one of the best things you can do is to bless a a friend or a spouse with encouraging words. Let's talk to those who are married. Uh, Those of us who are married, you know that in your marriage and in your home, a lot of words are spoken. Lots. And there's tremendous opportunity, potential, for you to speak words of life and love to your spouse. And that may seem like a no-brainer. And if you're not married, you may be thinking, like, isn't that what married people do all the time? Sure. 
But lots of times, if I'm honest, the words that I'm speaking are um, nothing more than an attempt to sort of get my way. And what if I were to honestly say to my wife, intentionally, every morning, first thing when we get up, I'm so grateful for you. I can't believe God has put you in my life. I can't believe we get to do life together. Starting the day with those words, you think that might have a change in the trajectory of your day. It's something you can do. You have, God has given you the power and potential of those words. For those of you who aren't married, this is something you can do with your friends. Because when you get together with each other, and you can talk about all kinds of things and use a lot of words to talk about a lot of stuff, what if you, what if you made a commitment to use that time and those words to bless and encourage them, call out in them words of life? Or with your server today, when you go out to lunch afterwards, or you go out to coffee, it's so easy to treat them as though they're invisible. Or that their only goal and job in life is to serve you your meal when you ask for it. What a gift it would be for you to just give words of encouragement. Just talk. Thank them. Ask them their name. Look them in the eye. Thank you so much. Thanks for what you do. How much longer you got today? Hang in there. Thanks so much. Did a great job today. And then back your words up with a generous tip. <laughs> and all the servers in the room said, Amen. Last thought on homework. Maybe one of the best ways for you to speak words of life in some situations this week is for you to not say something at all. There is maybe in you a temptation uh, that it comes from just how you've grown up or maybe the house you grew up in or the culture and the environment you're in where there are jokes that are said that are incredibly offensive and hurtful and you don't even hear them anymore. Or sarcasm has become such a part of your language that you don't even realize that those words are actually said from a place of fear and hurt inside of you, trying to mask it with humor. Or maybe the temptation for you to say judgmental words, to be critical about someone else, maybe at work, maybe a family member or a friend, it comes so quick that you don't even really see it coming. Maybe for you, uh, there is just a harshness or critical spirit that you bring to the conversation at work with friends. Maybe the best words for you to speak this week is to not say anything at all. And in those moments where you're feeling tempted to either say it or to tweet it or to text it or do whatever, it's just say, you know what, I'm going to hit pause. This is an opportunity this is an invitation from God. I'm either going to sp speak words that are like an active weapon or I'm going to use my words to be an act of worship right now. What's it going to be? And to just take that second to hit pause and say, I don't need to say that. I don't need to do that. And it may be really awkward because at work, everyone's going, they're all saying stuff, and you're just going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you just have to walk away because the temptation is too strong for you. Maybe the best thing in the world for you to say is nothing at all this week. And that's where you need to start. And for the times when you do say something hurtful to your spouse, harmful to your kids, something negative, critical, sarcastic to a friend, something full of anger to a stranger, maybe the most important words for you and I to speak after those words are, I'm sorry, I was wrong.
will you forgive me? See, this is what's so good about God and how much he loves words and how much he loves you even more than words is that even in the midst of words of hurt and harm, you can speak words of life. I should not have said that to you. I'm so sorry. I should not have said that about him or her. I should not have said that about this. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? That was wrong. Will you forgive me? And it's amazing what God can do in that moment. Take what was sent down a path of hurt and harm and turn it to be a gift of life, words of life. What a tremendous God we have. And what an incredible opportunity and invitation we have to be like those, to be one of those who speaks words of life into a world that so desperately needs to hear them. Your words will always come from somewhere. They come from the overflow of your heart. This week, what will they say about you? What will what you say say about you? And what will what you say say about God this week? The choice, honestly, really is ours. And so what I want to do now is invite the band to come up. We're going to say some words that we believe to be true about God. We're going to sing them together. We're going to say them together. We believe these words to be true. These words, in the same way, by singing and saying them, they soften our heart, don't they? So that same kind of way of practicing words of light and life and truth, we get to do that through song right now. And the same God who spoke the world into existence can speak change and love into your heart right now as we sing these songs to him. Soften your heart so that you can this week speak his words into this world. As we worship, what we're going to do is something we always do around here. We're going to receive our offering. It's part of our worship. It's part of the way that we give back to God. We're going to do that as part of our worship this week. Uh, many of us, over 60% of our church, gives online. And that may be you. That's how my wife and I give. Uh, if you haven't done that and you'd like to get set up because you know you kind of need that accountability to do that, you can do that right after the service. But this is an opportunity for those of us to say to God, look, we want to release our grip and our control on our stuff and open our hearts to you. And as we open our hearts to you, God, might you change what comes out when we open our mouths? As we open our hearts and loosen our grip, God, would you change and transform what comes out when we open our mouths? So I'd love to pray for us, and then we'll receive our offering and worship God together by singing these songs. But let's, let's pray together right now. God, thank you that you, you literally spoke us into being. You spoke, Jared, you spoke me into being. And you spoke me as an echo of yourself in this world. And God, you've given me and my words the power and potential to speak your light and your life and your love into this world, God. And I know my capacity. We know our capacity. We know our potential to say words that are hurtful and harmful and destructive. That's in every one of us, God. So what we choose today is to open our hearts to you, to pay attention to the words we say, and to practice God's saying words of life that not only change the hearts of those who hear them, but God literally change and transform our hearts. May we be a church that says what we believe, that does what we believe, that speaks your light and love into this city, into this world. God, we need you. We need you. We cannot do it on our own. We cannot do it by our own strength. We need you, God, to grow us, to give us the faith even to trust you more. 
So that's what we declare in this time, in this space right now. Be blessed and encouraged, God, by your children gathering in your name. Amen.